0: Thank you for tuning into It's Time for the Word podcast with Reverend Dr. John Perry II. On behalf of our senior pastor, we appreciate your continued support and generosity. Make sure you subscribe and download It's Time for the Word podcast from your favorite podcast platforms. Let's listen to today's message. How many of you know his love is enough? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to say that once again. Anybody know that his love is enough? Maybe if I put it to you this way. The Bible says God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. His love caused him to give the gift that we needed in Jesus Christ. Come on, look at somebody. Tell them his love is enough. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. If you don't mind, just look up towards heaven and say, God, thank you for your love. Hallelujah to God be the glory. You may take your seats in the presence of your fellow believers. Um, We serve a God whose love never, ever ends. His love is everlasting. For generations and generations, he keeps on loving us over and over and over again. I'm really trying to allow time for that to just get deep down in your heart because if you really think about that revelation that he loves you it'll cause something to begin to just bubble up on the inside and perhaps um, I need to remind you of you See, see the people around you really don't know the real you but you live with you each and every second of the day and you know you And despite you, God keeps on loving you over and over and over. And you know the thoughts that you have that nobody knows that you're thinking. But God knows. And he says, I love you anyway. Hallelujah. Thank you for loving us, Father. Thank you for loving us. Hallelujah. To God be the glory. Well, this is the day that the Lord has made, and I don't know about you, but I'm here to rejoice and to be glad in it, because I know that this day is a byproduct of his love and his grace towards us. Hallelujah. A few things that I want to share before getting into the proclamation moment. Um, We are gearing up to to do some things that are intended to empower you, and we need your participation um, in full force. First thing... All month long on Saturday from 9 30 to 10 30 we're consecrating ourselves as a family notice what I didn't say I didn't say that a few of us are coming to consecrate for the rest of us everything that belongs to PGC should be making the sacrifice on Saturday from 9.30 to 10.30 to come together so that we can consecrate ourselves as a spiritual community um, so that we can seek the favor of God for this year. Um, that's something that you should take serious. You need God in order to have a successful year. Um, and if, if we haven't taught you that as a ministry, we've done you a great, uh, a great disservice Your efforts alone will not guarantee you success. Your connections alone will not guarantee you success. You need God. Your household needs God. The health of your body needs God. Your mental health needs God. So if you want success for 2024, I'm coming each Saturday in this first month of the year to consecrate yourself unto God and to seek God's favor, that should be a little thing. Look at somebody, tell them that's not asking much. I mean, you're asking God to be there for you all year long, and you don't want to be there four Saturdays in the first month of the year. So we're asking every believer this upcoming Saturday. We had a pretty good attendance um, despite the, the cold weather. Um, But we're asking our entire church family to make the sacrifice to be here. Worship is a sacrifice. And I know we've taught you that, you know, you can get worship convenient. That it's like Burger King. You can just have it your way. Um, But but when you really start studying worship from a biblical standpoint, it is a sacrifice, okay? Um, Don't be the person that asks so much of God but gives so little, okay? Let's do the things that will make us great disciples and make us a great congregation. As well, um, our Bible study experiences in the morning. We have a men's group Bible study and we have a women's group Bible study. We no longer have a mixed group Bible study. The men are meeting for Bible study on Sunday mornings and the women are meeting for Bible study on Sunday morning. So, what that means, no women in the men's group and no men in the women's group. Okay? Um, we want you to find your gender specific group and study um, with your clan. All right? Um, and so, let's give the women their space so that they can um, have women talk as the Word of God leads them through the Word of God. Um, And I promise you, you'll be blessed as a result. As well, we're beginning our Wednesday experience again, and we're encouraging you to make the commitment to be in person. Everybody say that with me, in person. Now, the reason why I'm going to emphasize that over and over again is because throughout scriptures, there is this biblical mandate for us to be community. and. Even though the world is moving to social media and they're moving to online, it does not change the call and the mandate that the Bible has given us to assemble ourselves. And when we assemble ourselves, there's a level of glory that shows up. Now, if something happens, you get off work late, or you got to work long and you got to tune in on online, then do so. But don't cheapen your experience with God by trying to take easy way outs. God judges the heart of a man. And so if you can, make sure you do the good that you can do instead of settling for something less. And so we want to encourage you, um, if you need to take advantage of our Noonday experience, um, come in person and be a part of the Noonday experiences on Wednesday. And if you are able, be a part of the evening sessions that happen at 6.30 um. That happened at 6.30 p.m. On, on Wednesdays. Now, last thing that I want to say, I've taken up a lot of time. Um, Rod, right? Rod, if you'll stand up for us. Rod is going through the process now um, of becoming a deacon here in our community of faith. Amen. He's going through that process. Hallelujah. Um, and we just want to salute you um, and thank you for answering the call of God and being willing to go through the process of being one of the vessels that God uses in a powerful way to lead our church into the next dimension of what God wants to do. One more time, will you'll give God a great big God bless you for him. All right, I did a lot of talking. So it's finally preaching time. If you will grab your Bibles, turn with me to the Book of Exodus, chapter three. Book of Exodus, chapter three. While you're turning, um, while you're turning and finding your places, if you will stand when you found your places, as a statement that I've found my place and I'm ready. I want to simply lift in your hearing verses nine and 10 chapter 3 of Exodus he declares here and now the cry of the Israelites have reached me and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them so now go I'm sending you to Pharaoh, to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. I want to call your attention to that ninth verse once again. The Lord says, And now the cry of Israel has reached me, and I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. I want to simply preach, talk, however, the Spirit of God shall lead and guide on the day from the simple thought, You're more than this. I want to simply preach, talk, Have the Spirit of God shall guide from the thought, you are more than this. Father, we thank you now for the privilege of your presence. We thank you for the honor of being your people. Father, we understand that we live, we move, we have our being, God, by the authority of all that you are. So in this moment, we ask that you would speak those things that are necessary to help us to be the people that you have designed us to be. We sit at your feet, eagerly, God, anticipating your word. So speak to us now. It is all these things we pray now in the blessed name of Jesus Christ. And all of God's children said amen. You may take your seats in the presence of your fellow believers. And now the cry of the Israelites have reached me. I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. I think one of the things that is important for me to lift to you all on today is that hiding from life is a natural response to the harsh and the hard realities of the world that we live in. The consistent challenges and unexpected trials and tribulations that we face causes so many people to become overwhelmed that they just get to a point of saying, I'm over it. I'm done with it all. I'm over volunteering for struggle. I'm over ungrateful people. I'm over the uncertainty that each day has a tendency of bringing. I'm over it. Just give me my piece of land with a little house on it. Give me a decent family and enough money to make it, and I'm good. I'm over it. If the truth is to be told, these have to be the sentiments of Moses at the point of the text that I've lifted in your hearing. Because at the point of this text, Moses is on the backside of the mountain. He's ditched Egypt the passion that he had in order to be a liberator of his people, he's tossed that to the side, and he says, I'm good with the backside of the mountain, living with my bride, and just living life in comfort. Moses is over it. And even though Moses is over it, there's yet a cry that's being hurled through the land That the text declares unto us. The text would describe that these oppressed children of the Hebrews, that they are crying out to God. And so on one end, Moses is over it, living comfort and ease, but his people are burdened and in struggle. And I want to put it on pause right there because that's a unique picture for us to ponder There are some of us that are over it, and we're living in our own manufactured comfort, while there are other of our people who are struggling, and they're crying out to God, God, help us. God, have mercy on us. And that's what this text is uniquely describing for us, Because it says that the children of Israel are calling out to God. If you would examine the text even closer, literally what they're crying out is Where is the God of our ancestors? Where is the God that our foreparents told us about? Where is the God that grandmama told me about and great-grandmama told grandmama about? I heard the narrative. Where is that God? The cry is being heralded. And if we're honest, The cry is not just being heralded here in this text, but even in our modern context, there's a cry that's being heralded all throughout the land. There's a cry of those that are crying out from unfair and unjust incarceration. There's a cry that's being harrowed out because our babies are being stolen and sold into sex trafficking. There's a cry that's being harrowed out within the land because we've got. Police officers that abuse their authority. There's a cry that's being harrowed out because we've got a corrupt governmental system that we can no longer trust. There's a cry in the land being heralded. So if anybody ought to know about the cry in this text that's being heralded out, we should know about this cry that's being heralded out in the text but there's something unique that the text declares that I really want you to grab that bless my soul and that is that in the midst of the cry of this chosen people who find themselves in oppression verse 7 it declares this that the Lord said I have indeed seen the misery of my people the Egyptians I've heard them cry out because of their slave driver, and I'm concerned about their suffering, so I have come down to rescue them. Did you hear that? Watch it. They're crying, and notice the response of God to the cry. I've heard their cry I've seen their hardship and now I'm moving that's good news for some of us because you've been crying out and wondering to yourself has God heard my cry you've been asking yourself does God see the hardships that I go through and the text is trying to help us to understand that yes God hears your cry and God sees your burden but God is not like men because some men will see your cry, and they will hear your cry, but they will never move to lend a hand, but not God. God says, I've heard it, I've seen it, and now I'm moving. Thank God for a God that doesn't only hear, doesn't only see, but moves at the cry of my suffering. So the text introduces to me this critical cry, but it also introduces us that God hears the cry. Catch the movement of the text. God now has to deal with the dilemma that his people are in. And so God moves to have a conversation. His people are in conflict. They're in struggle. And so God moves to have a conversation. He moves to have a conversation with Mo, who's on the backside of the mountain, living life in ease. Catch what the text is trying to help us understand. God understands that for this dilemma, there's somebody that I've uniquely created and fashioned to be a divine solution to the struggle that they find themselves in. But he doesn't know who he is. He has constructed a life of comfort and ease on the backside of the mountain because he's decided, I'm over it. And if I'm going to fix this, i got to take a trip to the backside of the mountain and have a conversation with Mo. I'm wondering right now, how many people in this room is God saying right now, I've got to schedule a divine conversation because they don't know who they are. They've constructed a backside of a mountain moment where they're in comfort and ease and forfeiting the assignment that I've placed on their life. So God moves to have a conversation with Moses. And it's here that we've got to go back up to the second verse. Because it's there that the Bible declares this, that there is an angel of the Lord, and that angel of the Lord appears in a flame of fire from a burning bush. Moses saw it and thought to himself, I'll go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush is on fire, but it does not burn. Watch God. In order for God to have a conversation with Moses, he understands I've got to get Moses out of his comfortable routine. Moses is in the routine of every day going to water and feed his father-in-law's sheep. But in order for God to have a conversation with Moses, God's got to have a way of breaking the routine. And so what God does is he shows up as Fire that is consuming a bush, but the bush is not burning. Catch it. God shows up in an unusual and a strange way in order to get his attention so that he can break his routine. And I need for somebody to understand that a part of the reason that you can't hear God is because you're caught up in your routine. And God is declaring on today that sometimes I got to move in strange ways to break your routine. In Moses' life, it was a burning bush. But in some of our life, it's a bad doctor's report. Um, It it, it broke up the routine and put you on your knees so that you would finally seek God. For some of you, um, it wasn't a burning bush. It was the fact that the job said we're laying some folk off. God has a way of showing up in unexpected, strange ways to break your routine so that he can have a conversation with you. And I figured I wouldn't get a shout right there. But if you're honest about it, there's some strange things that happened in my life that brought me to my knees and caused me to seek God in ways that I wasn't seeking Him before those things showed up. Friends start acting funny, and I start saying, God, what in the world is going on? Found out I got. Cancer in my body, fell on my knees and said, God, what in the world is going on? Money started acting funny. God, do you see what I'm going through? God uses strange movements in order to get Moses' attention. Once he gets Moses' attention, Moses moves in the direction of God. And I don't want you to miss it, so really catch it here. God has to get his attention. And when God gets his attention, now God is waiting for Moses to acknowledge him. Verse 7. Once he acknowledged him, God then says to Moses, I have indeed seen the misery of my people. I've heard their cry because of their oppressors or slave drivers, and I'm concerned about them. He's talking to Moses and he says, so I've come down to rescue them from the hands of the Egyptian and to bring them into a land that's good, spacious, and flowing with milk and honey. The houses of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the parasites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, and now the cry of Israel has reached me, and I've seen the way that they're oppressed. Picture it in your mind's eye. God is talking with Moses. He says, Moses, this is what's on my heart. I really want you to see that because a part of our movement into a deeper level of discipleship is that you move from always telling God what's on your heart to being willing to listen to what's on God's heart. God is sharing what's on his heart with Mo. What an intimate scene. And then comes a shocker. After all of this, I've heard their distress. After all of this, I've seen how oppressed they are. After all of this, I've come down to rescue them. Then God hits Moses with what Moses is not expecting in verse 10. So now, go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring My people, the Egyptians, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Hold up. You said you were coming down (laughs) to rescue them. And now you're talking about go to Pharaoh and tell Pharaoh to let your people go? It's right here that God is trying to bring Moses into the revelation That for the ills of my people, you are divine solution. And I really only got one big point. That's it right there. I'm trying to help you understand through Moses' life that God has called you to be divine solution. Can I put it on pause right there? Because we're real good at seeing the ills of the world. We're real good at hearing the cry of the world, and we think we've done our job when we fall on bended knees and we pray about it. But this text is showing us something a little bit different. is showing that God is not just content with us praying about it, but God wants us to be about it. Look at somebody telling tell them, you've prayed about it. Now it's time to be about it. Okay, um, because Monday is, is, is King's Day, we can put it on pause and give King Day a plug right here. We shout and we celebrate about the legacy of Dr. King and all that he did. But have you ever really thought about it? What he represents for us is somebody that was willing to be about it. He wasn't just praying about the struggles, but he, along with others, were willing to get on the front line and do something about the struggles and the injustices that they saw. And that's uniquely what we're seeing in this text. God shows up to Moses and says, I'm here to break your comfortable life. And I know that you felt like you could be done with it. But you've been shaped, fashioned, and anointed for this. And I don't know who I'm talking to in you know, here on the day, um, but God has sent me to tell you that even though you got thoughts in your head of being done with it, that God says, no, you can't be done with it because you have been anointed and appointed and fashioned for it. He's telling Moses, you are divine solution for earthly plight. Yeah, I'm coming down, but I'm coming down through you. And could that be a part of the problem that we deal with in today's culture? That we've got a lot of people who call themselves saints that believe in God, but have not believed to the point that God comes down through them. Moses, I'm sending you. Verse 11, we'll deal with it and then I'll let you go home and eat. But Moses says to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Egyptian, the Israelites out of Egypt? Catch it. God gives Moses clarity regarding his divine identity. Moses' response to the assignment is that this assignment is bigger than me. I I hear you, God, but that's bigger than my capacity. So, So notice the wrestle that's going on. God says you're the one. And he's struggling and saying, no, I ain't the one. (laughs) God's saying, you're able, and Moses is saying, I ain't able. And a part of the wrestle that we deal with is that the enemy has successfully caused us to see ourselves as less than what God has ordained us to be. And if you're going to maximize your life in this season and the potential that God has created you for, you got to stop thinking little of yourself and allow the big God to show you how big you really are. It's not right to serve a big God and have a midget mentality. He's got to deliver Moses from Moses. I want you to stick your name in there. Because right now in this moment, God's trying to deliver you From you. Because the only hang up you got isn't that you don't have opportunity. The hang up that you got isn't that you're not talented. The hang up that you've got isn't that you're not able. The hang up that you've got is that you don't believe you can. Moses, you are the one. God, who am I? Moses right here is revealing to us that he does not understand the revelation of the grace that was on his life. and Most of us don't understand the revelation regarding the grace that rests on our life. And I know you're like, what do you mean by that? Here we are. Moses, he's missed the fact that as a child the grace was on his life when his mother had to put him in the Nile because they were killing all the baby boys. None of the other boys lived, but Moses lived because there was grace on his life. Moses missed the fact that when he was traveling down that Nile, he could have got ate by a crocodile, but Pharaoh's daughter saw the baby in the basket rolling down the Nile and grabbed him and took him unto herself as Her own. He's missed the fact that he was graced by God. Moses has missed the fact that when I killed that Egyptian, the grace of God covered me and allowed me to escape to the backside of this mountain. The grace of God has been with me. He's also missed that on the backside of that mountain, God graced him to start life all over again, build a family, and start afresh. He's missed that the grace of God has been on his life. And so in this moment when God is telling him, you are the one, he struggles with the idea of being the one because he's missed God's grace through the journey. And I wonder how many of us in present moments, when God is trying to use us, we're struggling and wrestling with God because we've missed that through the journey. God has always been with us. You should have lost your mind years ago, but the grace of God kept your mind in perfect peace. For some of you that went through divorces, you never should have came out of the divorce where you are right now. But the grace of God covered you because God was with you. He's missed that the grace of God has been with him. So notice how God answers him when he says, who am I? God simply says, I'll be with you. Since you missed the fact that I've been with you all alone, let me make it clear that at, to the assignment that I'm calling you to, it ain't got to be your power because I'll be with you. It ain't got to be your intelligence because I'll be with you. that's what I wanted to end with on today that the grace of God is with you and for some of you you need to understand that that grace is not for you to survive and hide that grace is not for you to escape the challenges of life that grace is not for you to have a life of comfort and convenience but that grace is for you to be used by a mighty God to be the light of the world that grace is of a mighty God that wants to use you as a Change agent that grace is from a God who says, I want to change the world through your hands. Mm-hmm. Ooh, thank you, Jesus. And so he shows up on the back side of the mountain to disrupt Moses' manufactured comfort zone. I'm done. And I got a funny feeling that God wants to disrupt our comfort zone. There's something that God wants to use you to do that's bigger than you, that's going to disrupt your life as usual. I know some of y'all don't want to hear. If you think to yourself, Pastor, I, I can't take another thing. Your problem is you've been focused on the wrong things. And if God can get you centered and focused on His thing that He's ordained you for, even though it's massive, it has a way of bringing peace that surpasses all understanding. On last week, God told us that we were a kingdom of priests. And On this week, He tells us That as a kingdom of priests that represent me, you are called to be divine solution to the world. It is not enough for us to hide out in the four walls of the church. There's assignments outside of the church that have our name on it. There are things outside of the church that you are anointed to do and to accomplish for the glory of God's name. Nobody else is going to do it because it's your assignment. Right where you stand, if you'll lift your hands in the presence of God. And just simply say, God, I'm willing if you're going to be with me. Hmm. Father, right now as a community of faith, we declare unto you, God, with all sincerity if we have any hesitation or reservation God is that we don't want to do it alone so if your presence is going to be with us father we say to you without hesitation or reservation our answer is yes father scattered throughout this room God our passions for different problems that are represented in the world. I pray now, God, that you would give strength, that you would give clarity, that you would give spiritual boldness, Father, for your children, Father, to step up and be willing to be light in the darkness around us. Father, we seek to do so not because we're trying to make a name for ourselves, but Father, we do it because we want your name to get the glory. Now, move in us and through us for your good pleasure. It's all these things we pray now in the blessed name of Jesus Christ. And all of God's children said, Hallelujah, hallelujah. and Amen. If you don't mind, look at somebody, tell them there's more to you than this. Hallelujah. We hope this message was a blessing and motivation to enjoy your day. We appreciate you listening too. It's time for the word. Make sure you visit www.pgc carry.org for more podcasts and Pleasant Grove updates. Be blessed.